0: The Four Horsemen. What you have
1: here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and Excited color.
0: Um, not those Four Horsemen. <laughs> These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and... Derek <laughs> McCarson. The Four. Horseman.
1: Well, we want to welcome you to this episode of the Four Horsemen podcast, and I can honestly say that all four horsemen are back and riding again. Um, and I'm uh, back in the saddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dynamic duo, me and Ben, held it down uh, last time, and we hope that you enjoyed. I thought about
2: the, the dynamic duo that you meant, Ben and Johnny Hunt.
1: That what? Was- <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Hey. I gave more content anyway. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but anyway. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the the Johnny Hunt uh, episode. We appreciate him for helping us uh, with that. And um, so, but before we dive into our topic, uh, we mentioned the last time uh, that uh, both Dennis and Derek went on mission trips. Dennis went to Albania, correct? How did That's that correct. go? What did you guys do? And Give us a slow update on that.
2: Uh, well, it was uh, an excellent trip um, halfway around the world. Albania, of course, located uh, in the northern border of Greece. Uh, the Adriatic Sea separates Albania uh, and Italy. But uh, it's an unseated area in a sense that there's not a lot of gospel, not a lot of gospel preaching. It's predominantly uh, Muslim, but it's a very um, – laid-back kind of Muslim. The mosques are basically empty. Uh, They're there. They give the call to prayer in the morning, which is one of the most irritating ways to wake up that I've ever encountered. (laughs) That sing song. (laughs) uh, You just
3: offended like a billion people.
2: (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) My name is Derek McCarson. You you can cut my head off and (laughs) call me John the Baptist.
3: I don't think my wife will appreciate that with... (laughs) so anyway back to something
2: serious so so uh myself and one of our young deacons tyler cummings were over there and uh basically as we we met with church leaders and i mean uh some of the most dynamic committed christians i've ever seen this one pastor we met with he and his wife drove into an area where the muslims were more militant uh, had their tires uh, slashed on their vehicle, had rocks thrown at them and that sort of thing. For three years, this man and his wife drove to a church plant for two people. There wow. were two people only. Wow. And now they have about 70 that, that are wow. there. So it's very slow growth, um, but a great opportunity. And, and those Christians over and again— when you ask them, you know, what can we do for you? How, how can we minister? What's, How can we partner with you in mission? There are all kind of ideas that, that I had. Do you know the number one thing they said they needed? They said, encourage us. We need encouragement. Wow. And uh, one of the neat things is that Americans are actually looked upon with esteem over there. Uh, you might not think that in an Islamic country, but because of some of the... Uh, Interventions by NATO and the war with the Serbs and Kosovo and so forth and all of that. um, There is a major highway in Albania that's called the George W. Bush Highway. (laughs) And in the capital city, there's this big statue of Bill Clinton What? Seriously. And so, and so when we, when we would go places, um, you know, like this, we visited. They didn't think you were Bill
1: Clinton. No, they did
2: not. (laughs) Thankfully. But this government home for old folks, uh, you know, when the guy, this old man found out that we were from the United States, he almost fell down getting up to rush us and to, you know, hug us and shake our hand. America, America. So it's, it's really a great opportunity to go over there. You get a, a, you know, an ear, For the people, but it's not one of those places like I'm sure Derek will share, where you can go in and distribute Bibles and you know have a big crusade and see you know hundreds of people perhaps converted because they just haven't had that exposure to the gospel. They're very resistant, not not hostile, but pretty much apathetic. They're very uh, caught up in material things. Uh, There is one coffee shop for every 149 Albanians, Mm -hmm. so Starbucks is not going to find a market over there. Yeah. And uh, there are uh, more Mercedes per capita than any other country in the world. Wow. And so that's a big status symbol over there. So, right. but it was a very fascinating place. We felt safe on the streets uh, at night. Uh, the food was great. It was, uh, you know, Italian food, pizza, pastas, all that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And there wasn't one menu. It said internal mixed beef parts. I did not order that. <laughs> but then when I got back, I got to thinking. Well, I don't know what that was. That was hot dogs. Yeah, <laughs> <You know>? exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Ballpark franks. Yeah. You know? But uh, but anyway. Um, Just some of the finest believers, very small churches. The men are not involved. Like uh, one church we went to, right beside of that, there was a mosque. I mean, right beside the church building. And uh, it was mostly uh, women and children. Uh, There was like one man. And so uh, their culture kind of looks down on men being anywhere except in uh, coffee shops or beer joints or uh, gambling houses or that sort of thing. So, so it's a difficult place to reach a lot of people in a hurry, but I think there's opportunity that's still there to make, uh, make inroads. And, and we just, uh, we're blessed to go there and be
1: with those, with those dear people. Yeah. So pray for Albany Yeah. I gained 50 pounds when I lived in Italy for two years. So well, I can understand the food that. is very good, but Derek, you went to Honduras,
3: correct? Yes, that's right. Um, actually Cholateca, Honduras, which is in the Southern part of that State or nation. And uh, this is actually the fourth time that our church has gone to this place. We have a connection there with a couple of local missionaries, Western North Carolina folks who uh, heard the call and answered, and our full time missionaries down there. It's uh, called New Beginnings Baptist Mission. And so we partner with them throughout the years. Uh, we've been able to build a church and uh, build some homes and do uh, extensive evangelism. This trip, myself and a deacon in my church, we went to do uh, some door-to-door evangelism. In fact, uh, we had the church raise money, and uh, we bought enough food to feed about 40 families. Nice. And um, each family got 25 pounds of rice, beans, and corn. And so they can ration that out pretty good and make it last for a while. But what we did uh, on this trip was uh, we partnered with our missionaries and uh, the local pastors in the regions, and the pastors had uh, prospect families in their villages that they were trying to reach. And on their recommendation, we went to the homes of these people and uh, gave them food, and then with the missionary translator, we presented the gospel to them. And so through this, uh, we saw about uh, six salvations. Awesome. Um, tell you a really cool story. Then This is totally a God thing. So in 2015, we took a mission team down to build a house. And the missionary ministry down there has a program where they um, move families from slums and Uh, your church can go in and build a home, and then that family has moved into that house. So we did that in 2015, took a week, built a house, cinder block, uh, cement pad floor, uh, very rustic, but, hey, it's a lot better than what they are Mm -hmm. normally living in. Uh, By the way, Honduras is incredibly impoverished, one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, But we did that. Didn't get to see the family that moved in. But um we came back this past year and we were in a village, in fact that same village where we had built that house earlier. And we were in a different part of that village in a home sharing Christ, and we noticed that as we were sharing Christ in that house there was a young boy who was visiting. He was standing at the doorway, and as I was presenting Christ he he got more and more interested and he came forward and uh, we asked the homeowner, you know, do you want to receive Christ? And the lady didn't. But the boy who was standing at the door did. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, you know, my name's Antonio. I'm 18 years old. I'm wow. getting ready to be enrolled in the military. Uh, I'm interested. I-, I need to be saved. Praise Led him to the Lord. Amen. And so then got to talking to him and was like, well, that's great, Antonio, your decision for Christ. Look, we've got some food in our truck. We want to bless your family now. Where do you live? And uh, he said, well, i live just down the road a little bit. I said, all right, we'll follow you down there. We want to give your family some rice, beans, and corn, too. Lo and behold, we make our way down the road and find out that this boy is living in the house that our (laughs) church built in 2015. So not only did we get to build the house, but then we got to lead him to the Lord years later. Only God can (laughs) orchestrate something that beautiful. That's awesome. But in contrast to what... Dennis was saying, Honduras is incredibly open to yeah. the gospel. Um, now, mostly it's uh, got residues of Catholicism. Right. In fact, a lot of people are f- uh, fluent in Christianese. They know Jesus. They know the Holy Spirit. They know Mary. So you have to kind of help them understand the difference between Catholicism and the, the gospel that you're trying to present. But um, incredibly open you can go into schools and hand out Bibles and preach yeah. to the kids. We, we raised
2: a bunch of money to buy Bibles for the government yeah. to distribute. And in. we <laughs> did that
3: one day. We took a trip uh, into one of the, what would be a middle school and we preached to the kids and shared Christ. And a lot of the kids made decisions. Of course, uh, we hope those were genuine. But uh, great trip. Got to talk to a lot of different people and see the Lord do some amazing things. That's Amen. awesome. And that's a perfect segue because. Pole Creek helped
1: send you to Albania and yes, you said did. that Liberty was kind of helped you guys go yep. to your trip. So that's kind of tonight's topic is, is having a uh, kingdom mindset within your churches, what that looks like. And um, obviously uh, the scripture is Matthew six thirty three. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things shall be added unto you. So the whole topic tonight is, is again, a kingdom mindset within churches, uh, kind of what they've both been talking about their churches demonstrating. But I want to kind of start out on the the negative side, and, in the sense of why don't you believe that churches aren't more kingdom-minded, uh, if you will, of going in missions and, and partnering with other churches and, and things of that nature? What are some of the reasons why... Maybe people don't and churches don't participate with one another in a kingdom mindset.
2: Well, I think it's very understandable that, that people would, uh, not to make excuses, but I mean, why do you make sure on Thanksgiving that your family is fed, right. even though there's many hungry people around you. That's not to say you're a bad person. It's right. just that's who you tend to look out for. Right. And, and so I think it's we look around, we see the needs that are there, and so it's easier, even though we're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight, th- that's what we see. And so so that's what we do. But then I think at a deeper level and a much more sinister explanation is that the very heart of sin is, is self. Yeah. And so we become absorbed with us and what's in it for me. Uh, You know, if I help, for instance, in a church building, I mean, it's commendable if I want to paint the walls or put in new carpet, that sort of thing. It may lead to outreach. But again, that could be something that's for my benefit right uh you know but but what good is it going to do f- to help somebody uh, build a house in honduras uh, you know and i can give lip service to it but when it comes to putting my money where my mouth is or my actions that can be an entirely different thing so so i think our, our fall in our depravity uh is not uh, eradicated when we get saved and so it continues to be a
1: struggle right
3: i think you were right dennis because you pointed out in your comment that um a lot of people don't see the practical benefit of missions, for instance. Like you said, what's what, what's the good of building a house in Honduras? And um, when we first started trying to get our mission program on its feet at, at Liberty, uh, we had some pushback from people right. who said those very things. Why in the world should we be interested in those people down there when we've got our own problems here yeah. in America? And yet the people who were complaining aren't willing to go out and actually reach people that live next door. <laughs> right. Uh, they, don't, they have never done anything, and they don't want you to do anything. But right. what they don't understand is that the practical side of that is you get out of your comfort zone. Right. And God takes you to a different place and really opens your eyes to a set of needs that you can't even really fathom as a wealthy American. Right. And it helps you to see uh, how other Christians live, helps you to see how the church operates around the world and and uh, how they have so much less than we do, mm-hmm. and they seemingly can accomplish so much more. Right. And it really charges up your faith right. and motivates you to go back and be on mission where you are. Um, I hate to say it, but sometimes in order to get somebody here To walk across the street and share their faith, you have to take them halfway around the world to move their heart in that direction. But it will be. It'll it'll be revolutionary in a person's way of looking
2: at life. Their whole perspective changes. And far from it actually holding back the local church, when you develop that kingdom mindset and you get out there into the world and see the needs and you're involved with them, uh, it really enhances your local ministry. It gives you... An awareness of people's lostness. It gives you a gratitude for what blessings that we do have, a willingness to share. When we, like I told you about those believers in Albania. Uh, you know they didn't have all the resources we have they didn't have the education the money all that kind of thing they had a love for Jesus right. mm-hmm. that, that I needed and so really I don't know how much of a blessing I was to them but they were a great blessing to me
3: amen
1: right well I think a lot of it too is you know we, we we're trying to make um, worldly investments you know and our we, we're trying to better ourselves we're trying to and so to have an eternal investment like that is, is kind of foreign to us because Mm -hmm. again, what's the payoff for me? What do I get out of this? You know, what, what is it that, you know, and I've, I know as a youth pastor, when I was a youth pastor trying to work with uh, other churches and things of that nature become very difficult because there seemed to be that mindset. I hate to say that, but it was like, well, you know, we'll do it. You know, we'll, if, as long as it made them look good, that's all that mattered. And, and I, but I think a lot of churches kind of do the same thing and, um, you know, trying to partner with churches and things of that nature can become difficult because it becomes territorial, you know, and it becomes, this is mine, you know, I'm trying Mm -hmm. to build my kingdom, Mm -hmm.
3: um,
1: and not the Lord's kingdom. And, you know, I don't want you coming into my kingdom and, um, infiltrating that and, and impacting what I'm doing. And, and you know, that I think there's a lot of that mentality in that as well. Ben, you got anything on that?
0: I think you have uh, churches uh, fighting for a limited pool of members. Right. Um, so for instance, if churches aren't, uh, are being territorial or aren't going into certain neighborhoods because another church has a presence there or whatever, um, the assumption is that there's a limited uh, number of potential members, givers, volunteers, etc., And so when you view it organizationally, it's like, okay, I need skilled people, uh, people who are committed to giving, people who are committed to uh, volunteering in this organization. And those people are generally church members that have been trained in church. So what i I don't want to just take members from another church because that makes me look bad. But what I want them to do is to voluntarily leave their church and come to mine (laughs) so that I have a greater skill set. Because if I actually evangelize people, of which there's essentially a limitless pool of lost people, um, then I have to train those people from scratch, and they're actually going to be more of a burden on me as a pastor and our church as an organization than somebody who's already kind of get, gets how to do things. It's like it's like having a new hire at a job. You got to teach them how to do everything. and so you got to spend a whole lot of time and energy and money doing that instead of hiring somebody with experience that knows what they're doing.
1: Well, I, I actually got one of uh, somebody in my church that's no longer there. Um, when we created our mission and we asked the people, um, where do you want to see the church in five years? Um, everybody wanted to see young people and, and, reaching out in the community. And I had one person in particular tell me that, um, it's, we shouldn't try to reach those people because they won't give.
2: Right. Wow. Mm. Right.
1: But it's that same mindset. Is it not? I mean, sure. it's a, there's yeah. no benefit to me. There's no benefit. Um, short
3: term. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's none. Well, you
2: know? and, and to follow up with what Ben said, and I, I think this is also a broader part of our conversation. You know, when when we have that that focus on those disgruntled church members, if you will, uh, you know, it's almost we try to one up the other church. Uh, we can offer this program that they don't have. We have this activity that they don't do. Uh, you know, come hear our music. Come hear our pastor. Yada yada yada. And and so what we're basically doing is almost like you know, here's a, a synagogue of Pharisees and couple of Pharisees got uh, their nose out of joint and uh, so they walked out one day so then all the other little synagogues come around and say you ought to come over here and try our synagogue when when out there there's all of these tax collectors and sinners and people in the brothels and the beer joints and whatever and nobody's going after them right well but that's where Jesus was <laughs> right yeah now, well um, and
0: see that and see that's the whole problem when you look at the statistics even for uh for our area, so like we're all pastoring in the Bible Belt, so our state convention has has a strategy called pockets of lostness, the 250 least reached areas in North Carolina. So pocket number 142 uh, touches my church parking lot uh, on the map, which means that up to 69% of people within a three mile radius of my church identify as non-evangelical. So. The reality is, is if I I did the, I did the math on it one day. If we went within like a, I think like a five mile radius or something of our church and invited everybody to the church and had a ninety percent failure rate, we would have to have two services on Sunday morning, right? With a ninety percent failure rate of mm-hmm. getting people to come. So the reason why uh, churches don't have enough people is because they're just not going out and sharing the gospel. It's not like there's Oh, everybody's saved, and everybody's in church on Sunday morning, and so there's just nobody for me to reach. The reality is if God brought awakening to Western North Carolina, there's not enough church buildings to fit the people in. Right.
2: Right. But that's hard work, Ben. I mean, that's that's <laughs> right. tough. When you go out there and go after a sinner, you may be rejected. They might spit at you. They might make you feel like you're the scum of the earth. I mean, and even if you manage to bring those people in, look at they're coming in here. they got tattoos and they got razor blade earrings and they've got, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, it's, they're just liable to mess things up. These dirty little kids that come in, you know, they're liable to get the walls filthy and they don't know how to behave in church. And so, you know, <laughs> heard
3: that one before. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well. yeah.
0: Well, and, and, and that's, and that's the problem is, is, uh, is people are fighting for all of the, the clean church people that, that know the drill well I, and and you're if you're scrambling over that then you're going to get that competition of i got to preach better i got to have better programs my music's got to be better we got to have a better welcome team we got to have something for kids and youth and if we don't do that we're not going to be able to compete for those people and so then all that's going to be left is we're just going to have to actually go out and preach the gospel and disciple people and god forbid we do that
1: uh, and it's funny during in a church uh, plant boot camp one of the things they told us is that don't try to be uh um, don't suck less than the church down the street, because eventually, <laughs> because eventually you'll be the church that sucks for. I mean, now, now that
2: would be a great motto to put on a sign out front of your church. Yeah. Could you yeah. Put that in your mission yeah. statement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I mean, there, I expect to see that. At I'll do it. City. Don't put it, on, you you do the
0: it. on the sign. Church side better than your church. Yeah, that's but, all you need to put on there, yeah. But
1: on that note, there's a what. Uh, 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 uh,
0: Get my words out here.
1: A uh, article from Patheos from Joseph Matera. And one of the things that he, he talked about is a kingdom mindset versus a, a church mindset. And in, in what he said, and it's on that note, the fifth one he said was, With a kingdom mindset, churches embrace and love their surrounding unchurched communities. And with a church mindset, churches only embrace converted individuals within their faith communities. So it's almost like a baseball team. Like you're wanting the best, you're, you know, the, the shiniest, prettiest. It's the game. inward versus
0: outward. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the same way with pastors too, right? Oh, absolutely. No, nobody's hiring the guy from the church up in the holler that nobody's ever heard of because obviously if he was really gifted, he'd be at a bigger church, right? Right,
1: right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of churches wouldn't hire Jesus, but that's another topic. <laughs> T- topic. And, another. and even
2: if they hired him, they'd fire him after one sermon. <laughs> I promise you that. If he first time, night. first time when the, you know, <laughs> oh, first time when somebody comes forward and and he says, "You generation of vipers," you know, yeah. <laughs> who's <laughs> warned you to flee from the wrath to come? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah it probably wouldn't go real well. It wouldn't go well at all. There's or supp- a lot or supp- of guys supp- that preach like that every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that's all <laughs> they do preach. Yeah, yeah
2: well, there needs to be a bit of
0: love mixed in there as, <laughs> as well.
2: But Could you imagine if a very wealthy man in your community came forward during the invitation time and he said, I want to join the church, or you saved? oh, I, listen, I, I, I believe this man is extremely religious, and then you as a pastor look at him and say, well, there's just one thing you need to do, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and mm-hmm. then we'll let you join. <laughs> I guarantee you that afternoon the deacons would call a meeting and you would be <laughs>
1: fired. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Not even well, maybe not more, but yeah, that was the case. <laughs> that was, but, but let's flip the script a little bit. So, we talked about why churches aren't uh kingdom minded. Um, let's talk about ways churches can be kingdom minded. Um, you know, one of the things that you know, I, we're all, I believe, involved in is, is with the Southern Baptists and the Buncombe Baptist Association, associational. Well, Heywood, I guess you're still out there? And that is one. Uh, way of being kingdom minded is being a part of a greater uh, group of churches. Uh, and how many churches are in? We should have got Perry on this, but how many churches are in the Bunkum Baptist? Over one hundred and twenty. There's
2: well over a hundred. Yes.
1: Yeah. Now, how active some are or aren't is a different ball game. But the, there's there's an establishment of that. So, what's like your some, church membership role? I mean, yeah, yeah. Ours is getting ready to change. But anyway, um, Amen. Yeah. Um, so, what are some of the What's some of the good things about being in an association like that 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 you guys have uh, realized?
2: Well, for instance, when we went to Albania, we were able to partner with Southern Baptist missionaries, Jonathan and Whitney Wagner, that were over there. And so we had people that were learning the language, knew the culture. We were able to connect with them. Uh, we have a degree of confidence before we ever talk to these people, and we're just sending our money. Or you know, it's right now near Christmas, so the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is a big deal. But but we know these people are educated, they're trained, they're prepared, they're called, they're you know they put them through the ringer before they actually place them out there on the field. Uh, you know, we have a confidence. And, and what Jonathan and Whitney could do while we were there, they could concentrate on going to their classes uh, to learn how to speak Albanian. They could concentrate on taking us out to meet with church leaders. They They don't have to come in, you know, and spend six months out of the year trying to raise money. Right. Because your church, all of our churches, we pool our resources. Some give more, some less. But all together— we can keep those people out there doing what they're supposed to do. Now, we also in our church support some independent mission works, like Derek was mentioning the work in Honduras. That's not a Southern Baptist work, and uh, and we also help support that. But again, it's not to knock those folks, but to say that there is that is a methodology that does require uh, more uh, effort to, to help keep the, the dollars flowing in which our missionary force, we have thousands out there, that uh, that that doesn't take that because because we pray for them, we support them, uh, we give to them financially, and and God
1: uses that in a powerful way. There's a freedom that comes in that. Oh, well, I know just in the church plant world, you know, when I was going down that that road, the SBC is head and shoulders above everybody when it comes to the support that you receive. You know, you got to raise support and that, which isn't necessarily a, a bad thing through other. Uh, different groups and we'll talk about church planting in just a minute, but what are some other ways that churches can be, uh, well, the association, I know, I know one thing for me personally is the relationships with other pastors. You know, um, they have the bi-vocational, um, pastors lunch every now and then uh, I think every other month. And uh, that's been a real blessing to myself, um, to just get with some of these other guys and, and you build that camaraderie and, um, to see some of the, the, for example, the, uh, fair ministry, uh, the state or the Mountain State Fair that goes on at the X Center here in Asheville, um, you know the association, the churches pile in there and have a closed closet and medical and dental and and so you're really seeing a kingdom impact uh, with people who can really make uh, can really give you nothing in return. Um, So it, it truly is a kingdom mindset. Is there anything associational wise that that you guys have found to be beneficial?
3: Well, I can tell you about something that uh, our church does that isn't necessarily connected to the Bungam Baptist Association or the Southern Baptist Convention, but it's beneficial nonetheless to the backyard of Asheville that we're trying to reach. Uh, Once a month, our church partners with a ministry called Least of These, Lot Ministry, and uh, what this is is every Saturday, it's a group of believers from different churches in the area who get together and fix breakfast for the homeless. And they just fix breakfast in the parking lot of a church. Uh, And there's also uh, clothing there. There's also uh, Bibles people give out. Um, I usually go and take my hair cutting equipment and I give haircuts to the homeless guys. And while they're sitting there in the chair, captive audience, they're going to hear about Jesus. But I've met so many uh, Christians and believers from different churches, different areas in Western North Carolina, even people from down east of the state who travel, who have heard about it and take a bus up here to just do it for one day. But um, once again, there you have several churches pooling resources, uh, giving, and volunteering to you know try and make a dent in the. Uh, need there of the homeless in our community and we've seen salvations out of it and people have been blessed by it and I know that everybody that goes and participates they go to be a blessing but in turn man God really blesses them Right. so I think one benefit of the kingdom mindset is man you're going to walk away just totally blessed by what God's going to do in your life
1: Right.
3: and so what
2: I hear Eric, uh, Derek saying is that even going beyond denominational lines even though those of us working together uh we can partner with other folks that you know believe in the fundamentals of the faith and and we can get involved with them and uh and make an impact as as well so uh, i've had that experience across the years now i think there's somewhere you have to draw a line if it's if it's just to me a uh, you know feeding the the hungry and and clothing the naked and You know, building a house, uh, I mean, that's all well and good, but anybody can do that. Uh, You know, an atheist could do that if they wanted to. They wouldn't, but if they wanted to. But the truth truth is we want to get the gospel to people, uh, which is the greatest need that they have. But there's a a lot of good, uh, significant people out there that you can be involved with in those types of partnerships and doing things. uh, You know, across the years, Campus Crusade, uh, Evangelism Explosion. Uh, Salvation Army, uh, you know, and and other groups like that, and ABCCM is one that we're involved in, and, and I will tell you, I've been able to go out to the homeless veteran shelter, and I've been able to do Bible studies, share the gospel. Uh, they encourage that, they want that. There's no limitations on that. So, uh, but our church alone could not support that kind right. of ministry, but other churches do, and, and not just Baptist
1: churches. Uh, there's, there's many others that, that do that to make that possible. Right. Well, there's two other things that I thought of as far as kingdom mindset for churches is, and we've talked about mission work, but I think one of the big things, uh, for me personally that I I hope that our church will, um, uh, be able to do at some point is to, to to launch church plants, to, to plant churches, um, you know, send, send people out. We want to be a sending church, um, it's not about me. It's not about, you know, building my kingdom, but it's about his kingdom. So uh, church planning is a, a way that I think is is huge, uh, that shows a kingdom mindset for people because it's not about us. You know, it's OK. Let's send you guys out. Y'all are missionaries. Go for it. You know, so that's one thing. The other part that can happen within your church and we've done it at our church. Uh, Billy Kirk, who's the pastor over in Asheville, Emma Babs, he's doing it as well. Is we have these, you know, we're we're kind of in church revitalization mode, and um, you know, we have a massive space, and so uh, he allow he has. Um, there's a Romanian church that meets down in their fellowship hall every Sunday, and they're right now uh, updating their upstairs uh, to, um, let a a Hispanic church meet in their building. And so I think that is an incredible kingdom mindset. We at our church, um, we have a church plant that meets in our old chapel that renovated it, done an excellent job. And we've been able to, uh, partner with them on multiple occasions on on work. And I hope that we can uh, build on that more. But I think that's one way of using the facilities that God has given us because it's not old, it's not ours, it's his. And so, um, Uh, and it's about his kingdom. So being able to open up our facilities to these type of works, I think is uh, an excellent form of being kingdom minded. So if you're, if you're in a church that has a lot of space, um, you know, open the doors to other folks that like Billy, he he's, he's again, great uh, kingdom mindset. There's a large Hispanic community around him. So why wouldn't he open the doors um, to that? So, um, so that's that's two big reasons, uh, two big things that I believe that you can do um, to have a kingdom mindset. You got know, anything on that? Well, we have a Hispanic uh, congregation that meets
2: here on Saturdays. It's not a large group, but uh, we uh, make our facility available to them. Uh, Moldovans, uh, not you know an ongoing work, but there's been a few times that we've allowed them to come in. They've had services, baptism, uh, that sort of thing, and and would not be averse to even you know entering into a, a more a sustained partnership. So here we've got these buildings and most of the time they're, they're empty. And so let's fill them up with people every chance that we we can. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and God, I think
1: uh, is honored when we do that. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, I believe that's it. And so um, I pray that all of you out there that are listening to this will, will have a kingdom mindset and understand that it isn't about you. It's not about people being able to um, give you things, but man, it's about his kingdom and furthering, his kingdom. And, uh, man, we just pray that you're doing that. So God bless. See you next time.
0: You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at slash the number four horseman. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast. And be sure to subscribe and review. They
3: look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than master president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they're calling for Katrina.